Welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Joining us here is Jed Brewer. Hello! With us all the way from Rope Cruise, Tennessee, Lee Younger. I'm also here. Yes, once again, we bravely soldier on without Glenn Fitzgerald. His uh, post 500th episode contract lockout goes into its second week. <laughs> I like the idea that Glenn's just in protest. Matt didn't pay me internet dollars. That's right. He he keeps cl- he keeps calling me using a fake voice, claiming he's from the Glenn Players Union, but I don't think that's a thing. <laughs> it's does he have a burner phone? <laughs> keeps talking about what, about revenue sharing, and I'm like, we we share all the revenue. It's zero, but we share it, and it's not <laughs> it's not going well. Keeps threatening a lockout. I don't even think he knows what that means. Matt's new ringtone is the the Billy Preston classic. Nothing from nothing means nothing. Oh, that's, that's right. very good. That is exactly the uh, the financial uh, stance of this podcast. But we will roll on. We have some more of your great questions. But first, I have a podcast emergency. Oh. Now, that's by definition, meta. every emergency we do on this podcast is a podcast emergency. But this is a very specific kind, and it's that I feel there's a gap in the Christian podcast market that has passed us by, gentlemen. Okay. Um, it's not really our thing, but it appears to be where a lot of the popularity is going, and we're nothing if not chasers of trends. Oh, that's definitely true. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we, we've actually, I think we referenced in the last few episodes, uh, Christianity Today, I think it was, did the, the rise and fall of Mars Hill. Like yes. A podcast miniseries about uh, Mars Hill Church in Seattle. This is the, this is, this is the like expose style serial on on the 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 tales of serial kind of deal. Yeah, I believe I haven't listened, but I believe it is exactly that kind of the kind of the uh, what the version of like the multi-part Netflix documentary getting at the CD underbelly of whatever. Right. It's that but in podcast. This is apparently a thing. You know, Lee mentioned, you know, serial is if you were out at that time was a kind of a huge leap forward in podcasting and you know NPR and things have done this kind of stuff. But there's one that came out recently that somebody found and it crossed my face and it is a, from the podcast network. Wondery appears to be a thing. Like they have a, a website and stuff, uh, but it's a new uh, show about uh, some scandal involving uh, former Liberty university president, Jerry Falwell jr. Uh, oh. And it's called in God, we lust. <laughs> <laughs> which i haven't listened to this ding 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 there should be hold on there there should be like a journalist award for just the great byline or title yeah that's yeah. impressive that's the thing I'm, not, I'm probably not gonna listen to this i'm sure it's i'm sure it's good work um it's just not my jam i got a lot of podcasts in the queue to go uh they're mostly about wrestling or leftist politics or maybe sometimes <laughs> both but uh so i'm probably gonna get to that but you have to tip your hat to in God we lust. That is yeah, that's good. That's that is good. for real. And gentlemen, we we uh, we have not been either the prestige podcast variety, nor have we really done a lot of seedy underbelly stuff. Sure. But it appears that this is the way the wind is blowing. Well, who are we to blow against the wind? That is a very unpopular Bob Dylan song. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but so the thing about all this is I feel like this is, this is maybe where we need to pivot next. You know, we've done okay. 500 something shows of people writing mm. questions and we give and we answer in our, in our earnest ways. We try to help and maybe a little bit of goofing on, you know, some goofy stuff. The, uh, the Christians have done, we we like to keep it light. We like to keep it encouraging, but maybe it's time to get prestigious. Ooh. Oh, gong. So we've got kind of two big ones off the board, but we've talked about a lot of uh, a lot of Christian stuff over the years. So I'm wondering what we can go for. I'm not sure we can get eight episodes out of the envelopes in Osteen's the walls in the Lakewood bathroom, but I'd really like to give it a shot. Sure. I mean, it'd be great. Just depends on how many envelopes were back there. Well, that's true. We could do like an episode for each envelope. That's right. Just reading off check numbers. <laughs> <laughs> this week on the Osteen Envelope Podcast, $74. We'll see you next week. Yeah. 
I mean, I would love to do, you know, a prestige podcast series about Osteen's robot cyborg time traveling army, but with extreme sadness in my heart, I'm pretty sure we just made that up. So like, you know, mm. it'd be a little bit hard to, to make yeah, that work. Tough. What we need is something that's a grave betrayal of trust. I mean, I think that's really what, what drives these, these good yeah. podcast series, right? It's the sense of like, this guy said he was one thing, but it turns out the whole time it was all a lie. I think I, think I that's, believed you. Yeah. Right. That's, that's the model we need. I don't know who the right, you know, I don't know if it's star or victim or both, but like, that's what we need though. We, we need something that fits that role, that model. So we do need, it does seem that it needs to be something or someone high profile. Yeah. That kind yeah. of collapsed around. Now I, w- I will give the listener a peek behind the curtain. We were kind of batting this idea around before we started recording and looking around at some of them and you'd get in like the Christianity Today article or the Wikipedia page or whatever and he'd be like, oh, this is funny. He he had a gambling problem, and he was a megachurch pastor, and he got him, and he'd be like, oh, he tried to hire a hitman. Well, that's not funny anymore. That's just, <laughs> yeah. that's just terrifying. <laughs> All right, so we, we want something where it's a betrayal of trust, but like family-friendly, right? You know, yeah. kind of like a betrayal of trust, but like wearing a sweater. That was literally... That's good. <laughs> well, if I could give you one last ingredient that I think is important, and it's not so much the the... Mars Hill one, but obviously this other one, due to the last, the uh, fact that our, the country we live in has gotten exponentially dumber in the last five years, or at least maybe we started noticing it. Jerry Falwell Jr. did become kind of a, a well-known figure outside of even just the bounds of Christianity. You know, he became, you know, a celebrity, if you will. Yeah, that's true. So celebrity mm, really celebrity. used to be a, a celebrity who misrepresented themselves. Breach and of maybe trust. Sweatery, sweatery credentials. Hey, wait, I don't maybe there's nothing here. I don't know. But let me just let me just put this out here. Kirk Cameron, oh. big deal, right? He's a firefighter in that movie and whatnot. Do we know if that dude's really a firefighter? Wow. Hmm. Have What's we seen his firefighter credentials? His degree in firefighting? This is what I'm saying. Yelled at his wife a lot about the pizza. Does he really even eat pizza, Jed? Whoa. We're starting to pull on a thread of this sweater as he's <laughs> what walking if, away. What if he's what if he's lactose intolerant? Wait, what? That's episode two. <laughs> you know what we're intolerant of, Kirk? Lies. <laughs> so well, we got a guy who might have lied about being a fireman, might have lied about eating pizza. What else is he lying about? That's true. I'm I'm on the on Kirk Cameron's Wikipedia page, which it's a it's trip. I'm let's see, early life, early career. This is all about acting. 2010 to present. Evangelistic ministry with a thing. Conversion to Christianity, which comes after evangelistic ministry. I hope only on the Wikipedia page. Otherwise that would be confusing. Uh <laughs> Politics, COVID-19 views. Well, not reading that. Going to scroll back up now. Yeah. Uh, I don't see anything about firefighting. I don't see anything about uh, tr- trading in the pizza for the Chick-fil-A. I'm doing a command F on you don't respect me. Nothing. <laughs> I think we've been lied to. I think we have a man who's betrayed the public trust for the sake of his own celebrity. I think we have our subject, gentlemen. All we need now is a catchy name. Well, if I could, if I could try to pitch, cause you know, you got to have the, the kind of the slug line, you know, it's, you know, I'm Ira Glass and welcome to this American life or, you know, Freakonomics or whatever, but just, you know, I'm picturing, you know, the very thumping music and the, let me tell you something. You don't know the first thing about pressure. You have no idea what I go through. He made a lot of claims, but three intrepid journalists are digging in to see if that was real. I'm tired of it! If you can't give me the respect I deserve! That's right. Lee, Jed, and Matt are liar-proof. So you left me no pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yes! Yes! Oh, gosh. I like that this bit gets out of hand and... I, I think we've been broken 
at this point in the podcast at this point in life that we're not trying to like say like the you know the the version of christianity that fireproof and all this stuff is that is totally insane and it's, you know it's not about sweaters and chick-fil-a that's all cultural markers and all of that now i think are we just gonna try to out weird kirk cameron yeah we are like is this all in with us going to la and being like where's that pizza kurt yeah yeah we, we, were, we were sitting next to you at this restaurant and didn't see any cheese that's weird I set a fire in that trash can, Kirk. Let's see you deal with it. There's part of me that wishes that we had the that we aren't weren't all too tired and sleepy, and that we had the energy to actually like create, uh, you know, like some some fresh new bumper music for the Prestige Podcast kind of vibe, and actually like do the voiceover with the right EQ and and, and everything. And, and that it just, the whole thing came in as a cold open on this episode of, you know, 502 of Say That. People are expecting the one, two, three, but instead it's just like some highly produced Jed, you know, riff on a Fender Rhodes growly <laughs> piano in a, in a minor mode with a great compressed drum kit and Jed saying, liar proof. Here we are. It's episode three. Like I, I just wish that was a cold open, but I know that we're all too tired to do any of those things. Yeah. So all I can do happen. is just describe it as a you know as a fantasy. Yeah, you you, you do it your you do it yourself, listener. Liarproof is a joint production of Say That and WBEZ. <laughs> yes. Well, I yeah. do remember it was like it was like back in like episode thirty or something. We used to when you guys used to produce your side of the show in in Glenn's old basement and Jed actually had a keyboard at yeah. hand. Yeah. And he would occasionally just play music. On the, these episodes aren't <laughs> even available for the general public anymore. But like this used be. to be a thing. They're back there on the pod bean if you want to get intrepid. But yes, always while I was trying to do a transition or uh, say something, you just I would just hear that that very jazzy little chord and be like, well, we're not getting to the next segment for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe people put up with us doing that 500 times. That's kind of incredible. <laughs> well, now I just want an entire spinoff of us kind of ripping on not only the, the nonsense Christian stuff, but these, well, I'm, again, I'm sure they're fine. Rise heart. Paul Marcel is very cool and all that, but the, the idea of prestige Christian podcasts and just, but just doing them all about fictional things. <laughs> wow, dude, that's hilarious. Just made up beefs. Yeah. Yes. Yes. TV's Kevin Sorbo, a tragic shooting outside a Newsboys concert. <laughs> Deathbed conversion or just another lie? Oh, that's good. That's wow. good. Yeah, I, I would like a, a gritty deep dive into Salty's songbook. Um, <laughs> you know, and really. Yeah. Like kind of a Peter Jackson's uh, Beatles documentary where yeah. it turns out like all the people making Salty the Salty quit? songbook hated each other by the end. Yeah, yeah. this is exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. Salty yeah. had emphysema from all the cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. And, and in the spirit of like, you know, early VH1 behind the music, you have like these present day confrontations, you know, but then there's the tearful forgiveness, but only to a point, you know, and yeah. Yeah. And it fades out on like the salty tried to put together a union tour. So far, they've played zero shows. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you know, hey folks, if you ever get tired of us doing this thing, let us know. We have other ideas. We probably don't have the <laughs> probably don't have the energy to pull them off. But we we got lots no. of ideas. If someone just gave us a chance. Absolutely. That's We're the main people. Thing. <laughs> That's right. One idea we have is uh, the bridge cast. It is not a uh, fantastical. A trip through uh, the burned out Reese's of our mind at this point. It is just a, a video version of our bridge service with uh, some live worship, some sermons, lots of great stuff. You can check that at live every Sunday at 7 p.m. Central Time or not live whenever you want to click on it over at Facebook.com slash Bridge Chicago in the videos tab. They're all right there for you. All right, we're going to jump to our questions here. If you hang out with us all the way to the end, I'll give you the ways to get in touch with us, or you can scroll down into your episode description on your podcatcher of choice and click the couple of links you find there. 
Our first question comes in and says, how do I make changes that actually take and last long-term in my life? And a very, very cool question, a very prescient early year question. And Lee, where do we start off? This is such a cool question. I, I, I love this because what a lot of people do is they just tell you, they, they just kind of like dive off a high dive of like, this is what I'm going to do this year. I'm doing keto hard, you know, and, and that's going to make me a better person or whatever. And I, I love, I love the attitude of like, all right, what, what can I do that's actually going to take? We all have seen the stats about New Year's resolutions and what a low percentage of them actually make it past kind of week five. Uh, although we do know 100% of them when posted on social media, it makes someone feel bad. Oh yeah. Um, but hey. the, 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 the thing that I would say on this really, really cool question, I would start here. Um, start small. Yep. Don't make it something like I'm not going to make some goal that's going to change everything about my life in extreme ways. Um, one of the things that can derail a, a, a change in your life faster than anything else is something that you may or may not have thought of before, which is the feeling of deprivation. If you make a gigantic change, that's almost certainly going to include the feeling that you are being deprived of something. And if you have a giant sense of deprivation, you are going to get taken out really, really quickly. What we want to do is have a, we want to start with a small change because any change is going to have some sense of there's a thing I'm not experiencing that I'm used to experiencing. That's, that's just a fact of, uh, of making a change. We don't want to make that change so huge that the sense of deprivation is huge because that sense of deprivation will derail that, 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 that goal and that change really, really quickly. Start small, make your goal kind of a long-term goal. Like it's something that I don't expect to have this thing tomorrow. I expect a, something that's, you know, going to take a while so that I have a chance to kind of fluctuate with that and make some flexibility and all that kind of stuff. Be honest and undefensive about what this is going to take and what this is going to cost and what I may or may not be good at in this whole, in this whole shift. And then this is my last little piece of advice before I kick this around. And this is maybe the most important thing. Ask for a lot of help. Yeah. Like, Find somebody that is a little further down the road from you on this and ask for their advice and take their advice. So if your thing is like, um, I'm just going to pick an example that, that may not be on your radar so that you, you don't have a lot of feelings about it. Um, I'm going to learn a, a foreign language this year. Um, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get far down the road on learning a foreign language this, this year. Maybe that's not on your list. So you can take this as a thought experiment and just, you know, not have a lot of emotion about this, this whole deal. Um, the whole start small thing is going to be, I'm not going to like shift all my media consumption to Portuguese. I will only watch TV shows that are in Portuguese. So much Samba. I will watch, I, I will only listen to music that's in Portuguese. I will only read in Portuguese. Well, that's a really bad way of going about learning Portuguese this year because you're going to want to watch some shows and some sporting events and some movies that are in English, um, if that's your primary language. And you're going to want to listen to some music that's in English. What you want to do is add some Portuguese music to your listening. Add some a little bit of Portuguese to your podcast listening. Add a little bit of Portuguese to your reading. You don't want to, like, just cold turkey. I'm not taking in any English into any of my, of my entertainment this year. So we start small. Uh, again, part of this, the, you know, part of the advice was ask for a lot of help. Find someone, not necessarily a native Portuguese speaker, but find someone who has learned this language and ask them, give me some advice and some, some pitfalls to, advo to avoid and take their advice. Um, what we want to do is, again, start small, let your goals be long-term goals, 
be honest and undefensive about the way this is going and flexible, be willing to, to change your tactics and strategies throughout this process and ask for a lot of help. Give yourself some grace. Don't let, don't make this be a deal where I've got to make all the changes right now. Um, this is something Matt said in the last episode is I'm not going to go from zero to six pack. I don't know if that's a direct quote, but it, it was something that he said that made me chuckle. And that's what we want to do is we want to, we want to set a reasonable goal, something that we can manage over a long period of time with a reasonable amount of change. And some, having that kind of perspective is something that you can keep going through some ups, some downs, some, some pitfalls, um, things like travel or things like um, you know, family emergencies. We want your goal, that you're, the, the change that you're trying to make, to be able to bear the brunt of all of those kinds of normal waves of human life, hitting your goal and you being able to skate through those things. Yes, yes. Uh, and it, we just can't be clear. Do not try to uh, push over all your media consumption uh, to 100% Brazilian things. You're, just, you're not prepared for it. It's going <laughs> to blow out all your sensors. You're not going to know really which way is, is up, and that's just not going to help anything. Uh, but... Jed, I love where, where Lee started us off on that, the, the slow and steady thing, the, the easy wins. We talked about that stuff before, and it's so true. It's so important. Uh, what would we have to add to getting some changes to take? Well, one thing, of course, is make one change at a time. Uh, have, have one thing that you're working on, not 10. Mm-hmm. That, that'll definitely help. I love Lee's idea of I'm going to pick something that you're probably not thinking about so that you know we, we don't have as many emotions built up about it. So I, I want to do a similar thing. So... Um, Suppose that you decided that you wanted to, to learn how to write songs in 2022. And I'm picking that one because it's not a common one, but I actually know a little bit about writing songs. So I feel slightly yep. qualified to comment on it. I, I would build 100% on everything you've already heard from Lee, and I would add a couple things. The first is focus on the consistency of doing it, not on the outcomes. Mm. In other words, don't orient yourself about, am I writing good songs? Just, am I taking time to sit down and write? Much, yeah. much, much better. You know, if you're going to try and, and learn to, to cook a great souffle, eh, your first few souffles are probably going to not be great. Don't worry about that. Focus on, did you take the time to work on it? The consistency of working on it is way, way, way more important than the outcomes that you get. There's a lot of reasons for that. But one thing is most things that are really cool and worth doing, worth having, they take a while to get there, man. So like, you know, if you wanted to to learn to write songs, you're going to have to do that for quite a while before it, it sounds like much anything. And that's okay. So focus on the consistency, not on the outcomes. The, the thing that goes right along with that is do it in a way where you enjoy the process. If you approach a change in a way that makes you hate it, if you approach a change in a way that, that makes it unpleasant for you, you're going to stop doing it. Um, this goes along with that deprivation idea that Lee's talking about. You know, so if you wanted to to learn to write songs, don't, unless you're like an extreme morn person, don't be like, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. every day and write my songs, and that's how I know I'm really doing it right. No. <laughs> but find some time when you feel good about it and you know, make yourself some tea or some coffee, whatever you're into, and make it a pleasant thing. And the last thing that I would add, which may be the most un-American thing of all time, but it's, it's a very wise idea that is not original to me, is the idea of when you fall off, because you will, no one does anything perfectly consistently, when you fall off, just gently return. And that idea of the gentle return is super, super important. If you intended that you wanted to, to do more cooking at home and you realize it's been a week and a half and you haven't cooked anything and that probably means you're a colossal failure, the answer is not to get mad at yourself. The answer is not to go out and buy $1,000 worth of kitchen gadgets to prove that you're serious. The answer is not to cook for 12 hours straight. The answer is just to cook a little bit tomorrow. Mm, that's that's yeah. it. Just go back in the kitchen tomorrow and cook for a little bit. That, that's it. It can, it can be a side dish. If you wanted to learn to, to write songs and you're trying to take some time each day to work on that and it's been two weeks and you, you haven't done it and you, you feel really, really bad, just take five minutes and do it tomorrow. It's cool. It's no problem. The gentle return. That, I think, in many ways is the most overlooked thing in American society Everybody gets knocked off. Everybody gets busy, gets distracted, gets sick. Everybody on everything. It's the gentle return, man. If you 
you may have one big return in you. And then if you don't get the results that you like, you're just disgusted. But the gentle return you can keep doing. And that brings us back to that consistency. You do it consistently, you'll get to a place you feel good about. And the gentle return is what allows you to do that. I think those are those are such important points and really, really well made. And again, it's one of those things of, oh, I'm pretty sure we've answered this question at the beginning of a, a year before, and that's fine because we, we are happy to to reiterate things and it remains very, very relevant. But my guess is when you ask this question, you kind of know that that's the route that answer is going to be, you know, you, uh, and again, we talk in the show a lot and the, whether it be just kind of working with young people or people who are coming out of addiction or trying to make bigger changes in their lives. We, we, all of us on the show has been a lot of time thinking and uh, experiencing what makes changes and what doesn't. And it's exactly what these guys are talking about. It's taking it slow. It's one thing at a time. It's not uh, being all or nothing, you know, one day at a time is, the constant refrain in drug and alcohol recovery for a reason, because that's what works. But tapping into that when it's you is can sometimes be much easier said than done. And what I love about what those both these guys were talking about is it was really talking about and focusing on the pleasantness and the virtue in taking it one day at a time. One day at a time mm-hmm. is not a sh- is not kind of a a backup strategy for people who can't just grit their teeth and be awesome. Everything at once. It's just, it's the way it's going to have to be. So we can start by acknowledging that and looking for ways to enjoy that. You know, like Jed's was saying, it's important to have a plan for what happens when you fall off because you're going to fall off. Yeah. That's not, that's, that, that's not like a, what is it? You know, fail, prepare, prepare to fail and all that. Like, no, you're, 365 days is a long time. Whatever your goal is, whatever you're, you're kind of moving on into, it's going to have some days where you are just holding ground. It's going to have some days where you're sliding backwards. That's totally reasonable. We just need to have a plan and have an acknowledgement of what we do when that happens. Because the worst thing to anybody's kind of long-term prospects of making changes is being surprised when things go wrong. Yep. And being surprised when things go wrong because of you, there will be days when you are the thing that goes wrong in trying to do things better. That shouldn't be a surprise. You know, again, we're, we are a Christian podcast. The, that's the whole basis of this religion is you are going to be the <laughs> thing that screws you up. That's cool. Yeah. We can work with that. But moving past that surprise and the best way to move past that is to have a plan to go from the beginning and taking it slow, having that idea of a gentle return are both really, really awesome ways to do that. We're going to move on to our next question. It comes in and says, when people talk about how they listen to God in their life, it sometimes kind of sounds like they're interpreting circumstances to fit patterns they're looking for. Is that what listening to God is like, or is that just confirmation bias? And a, another cool question, and it's always fun to talk about uh, listening. It's always a little, a little more esoteric than some of the stuff we talk about sometimes, but it's a very, very important part of the Christian life. And Lee, I love the way this person framed this because I think it's, it's very honest. It's very uh, direct in an attempt to understand. So where would we start off? Well, I, I love the, the uh, directness of the question as well. And, and, you know, I, I grew up personally in a kind of a church experience where a lot of people talked all the time about um, the Lord told me this, the Lord told me that. And that was confusing for me as a kid because I never heard that voice. I didn't really understand what anybody was talking about with that. And and I was waiting for that very specific, very hard to miss, absolutely like an audible voice kind of situation. And some people talk about that. Some people and and and, and then when you get right down to it in a conversation, uh, you know, some people would say like, "Well, what I mean by that is I see him at work." in like the movements of my life. And I, and so I feel that leading. And what I would say here is I, I'm, I wouldn't want to call those people out and I wouldn't want to say the things that, that I'm experiencing are less than, or that other people are experiencing something that's deeper or more specific than my situation. What I would say is this is, I liked your word, Matt, esoteric. This is mysterious stuff that we're wading into. And 
Um, I, I would steal a phrase from Jed from the last episode and use the both and situation here. And what I mean by that is I would always be on the lookout for the influence of God in my life. And I would always lean into my relationship with him in just tons of moments. Um, as in like right now you could even pause the show and just turn your attention to the Lord. Just as simple as that. Just like, I'm going to, I'm going to stop whatever I'm doing. And I'm literally, even if you just mentally say the words to yourself, I am now turning my attention to you. Okay. What do we do next? Just as an experiment, I'm going to turn my attention to you. I'm going to take some time to listen. And then what occurs to you? What comes into your mind? What comes into your heart? What is a situation that you're wondering about? What's a circumstance that's happened? As you're thinking about that, how do you interpret it? And then uh, to steal something that um, that has been really helpful for me personally that I heard from Jed, I'm, you know, a number, we're 500 episodes in. I have no idea when the first time I heard this was. Um, when you start doing that kind of an experiment, you're going to start feeling a lot of emotions like, well, I don't know if that thing that occurs to me is that, does that come from my own personality or my own weirdness or that thing that happened to me in the seventh grade or whatever, or the thing that I'm afraid of or the thing that I'm, uh, you know, the, the thing that I am, am nervous about. Well, now <laughs> at, at, at another layer deeper, deeper, take all of those emotions to the Lord and say, Hey, these are all the emotions I'm experiencing here. I'm afraid of some things. I feel funky about some stuff. Uh, what of that can we parse through and say that you're leading me into or you want me to push to the side? Take all of, in other words, as you turn your attention to the Lord, be as honest as you can about every layer of this process and let him speak to all of that stuff. Um, when you look at circumstances that you go through, okay, well, I had. Uh, about with an illness this year. What are you saying to me, Lord? Is there something that you want me to learn from this? Is there something that I, I need to pick up on? All of these things, simply turn your attention to him, listen, take some time, take some space, put your phone on do not disturb, um, and, and take some time to listen and figure out what is it that I'm supposed to be getting out of this. All of that to say, the mystery of, am I listening for an audible voice? Some people say yes. Am I listening for a nudge in my spirit one way or the other? Some people say yes on that. Am I interpreting the circumstances of my life? I would say, be open to the idea that the Lord is communicating to you in all of these things, in all of these ways. Be completely honest about all of the funky emotions you feel about all of that stuff and take some time to listen. I do think this is a muscle that you can flex and train. I do think that the more that you do this and the more patient and honest with yourself you are about this, the better you'll get at it. And I do think that this is a situation that you don't want to judge yourself on and you don't want to be uh, frustrated with yourself about. Some days, the, if I'm being perfectly honest, some days I feel like communicating with the Lord in my thoughts and my emotions is easier than other days. And I don't want to be hard on myself about that. And that's maybe the biggest piece of advice I would give you on this is don't be hard on yourself. Take some time and be open to the idea that the Lord is communicating with you in circumstances, in nudges, in emotional things, and in in hard to in hard to digest and, and discern things and be open to practicing, just taking some time with it and not being hard on yourself. I think those are all really, really great foundations to lay and excellent places to start. And Jed, where do we take this from there? I loved everything that Lee said. I think I want to kind of look at, I want to pull the camera pretty far back for a second and say that I think that there, there's kind of three big ticket items I want you to think about. The, the first is, I think part of what's messing with your head is, is two things here. First is, I think that you are running up against the limitations of how Western thought works. That's thing one. Thing two is, 
there have been so many unbelievably crappy Christian leaders that have abused all of these ideas, particularly in the last mm. few years. And then there's just trying to figure out what do you do in your own life? So, so let's look at those in order for a second. The first is, um, I think in part you're running up against limitations of, of the way that Western thought works because dude, we all know things. We don't know how we know them. Like you think you're in love. How do you know that? I mean, part of that is just literally your hormones Part of that is you're totally sexually aroused by this person. Part of it is you're just excited. How do you know that you're in love? Prove it. Justify it. And the bottom line is you can't. Um, life is full of things that we know, and sometimes we know with a great deal of fervor and certainty, and we don't know how we know them, and we can't exactly prove them. And we know that part of it is stuff that's directly explainable, like that other person is very attractive to me. We also kind of know that's not the whole of it, and we need to be honest with ourselves that it's a piece of it, even while not reducing the inexpressible down to something that's just raw data, because that's actually not how life works. And so I think that part of what's going on here is you're, you're kind of letting your inner Reddit troll um, you know, insist <laughs> that you should be able to prove things that you can't prove and no one can prove, but again, we all live lives that are based on knowledge that we can't prove that that is the nature of of human life and always has been and as long as this planet exists ever shall be there's there's not any way getting around that so um humility is in order at the same time other people have massively abused this the lord gave me a word are you sure about that bro um someone you know at a church telling you that they have a word um uh, that doesn't for you give it any authority that doesn't give it any right to be heard that doesn't give you any obligation to do anything with that. You know, um, if, if someone believes they have a word for me, they can start by building a relationship with me and we can take it from there. Um, you know, the other people's spiritual revelations are not my problem to solve. So, um, at the same time that we all know things that we don't know how we know them, also, you don't get to roll up on me with your your with your gnosis and, you know, uh, proclaim the ineffable to me. That's not how life works. But the third thing is, what does it mean for you? And this goes back to everything that Lee was talking about. There is a deeper reality than what you can see. Mm. And part of living a a spiritual life and this honestly, this goes beyond Christian spirituality, although it is certainly core to Christian spirituality, part of living a spiritual life is tuning in to that deeper reality that you cannot see. That That's just part of the experience, man. Um, and you can think of that as, as listening and hearing if that's a useful way of um, kind of framing that question. But just like Lee said, it doesn't have to be thought of in those terms. But it is the idea that there is a reality greater than what you, your eyes can see. You're, there is a reality greater than what your fingers can touch and that you are enriched as a person when you learn even just a little bit how to tune into that greater reality and hmm. that there is a, a higher power who loves you and cares about you and who in some way wants to communicate with you. Um, exactly how that's going to work, I think is probably going to be unique to you and your relationship with God. And, and to be clear, um, I'm very much coming from a Christian place and saying that I believe that, uh, the God puts his Holy spirit in your heart and wants to communicate with you through that. But we can broaden that way out and say that there's a deeper spirituality that you can choose to tune into. And that the more that you choose to tune into it, the, the better you can, can get at that. And the thing is, I think you kind of know that. I think most people kind of know that that's true. Um, other people have massively abused it. And so we can be understanding about the fact that elements of that sound hinky. And it's super, super hard to verify because it's entirely in the realm of stuff where we know it, but we don't know how we know it. And that kind of makes us uncomfortable. What I can tell you is I think that a rich and rewarding and abiding and deep spiritual life, the kind of spiritual life that you deserve to have, that I think that the Lord wants for you, a big part of that is found through that process of learning how to tune in. And so I would love for you to figure out what that means in your own life. I think that's such a great point. And, and to the the specifics of the question of is this 
listening to God or is it just kind of confirmation bias? As these guys are both pointing out, at some point, unless you're inside this person's head, you're never really going to know. So there's there's a limit to what we can look at on that. But it, this will be an imperfect analogy, but I, th- I think it'll make sense if you follow me. We all are familiar with living in the the era of the algorithm, right? So whether that's that's Instagram, whether that's TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. If it wants you to buy something, it just starts putting it in your face. Yeah. Just, you know, you started, you yeah. know, you you Googled, you know, this one type of shoes and maybe you search for it on eBay and how eBay and Instagram work together. I don't know. But you're going to start seeing ads and in Instagram stories for exactly the type of shoe you search for there. Yeah. Because that algorithm has a desire and it thinks it's something you want. It's showing it to you now. It's not your imagination that you're seeing more of this. It's also not a total coincidence. You may be noticing it more. I think there is a a bit of a crossover there with, at least in my life, when I'm positive the Lord has been trying to uh, show me something, put me in a direction. I just notice a lot more of it. Yeah. Mm. There are more opportunities to see that when I, and you, someone might be able from the outside to say, well, it's just that you're looking for it. You know, you've, you decided you wanted to, to change apartments. And so, yes, now you're seeing apartment listings everywhere. You decided you, it was time to get a new car and you did it before your old one died, but that wasn't really God looking out for you just because you, you know, your mileage had gotten there and you were looking at it. And now you just kind of see car ads everywhere or whatever. And here's the thing. Again, we are in a, in a kind of point of mystery here. You're not going to prove yourself one way or the other. But the other thing to me is when we're dealing with a God who can speak directly into your heart and your mind and your circumstances, I don't know that one of those is all that different than the other. This, you know, I caught this idea that there was a right idea to move on to this. And then I started noticing things. When you start to feel a lot of things line up, it's hard not to believe that things are lining up. If you start with the idea again, that we all do that there is a God who wants specific things in your life that will be good for you and is pushing you towards them. That's totally okay. And just to reiterate where these guys started this, but I think it's such an important point, whether it's your telling of that listening or someone else's telling of their own listening, it's always going to have the, a little bit of a gap and a little bit of, and then I kind of had this feeling, you know, again, as Lee said, some people say, Nope, audible voice. He sounded his voice was uh, rich and and uh, smooth and uh, like uh, rich mahogany. Maybe never experienced that myself. What I have experienced is, well, I, I kind of I don't know why, but I kept my mind kept coming back to this thing, and then I saw this, and then my friend brought it up in conversation, and I saw this, and it just kind of moved that way. That's okay. We're talking about an, a, a place where there is mystery, so don't be distrusting of the mystery. And really, as we pointed on the show before. The point were to be a little bit, not necessarily distrusting, but to do some double checking. It's when someone else is talking about it without any mystery at all. When it's just, nope, this is what it is. And I knew exactly what that meant. And on I went. That is a little bit suspect sometimes. But listening to the Lord is always going to be a little fuzzy because, it, and as Lee very much pointed out, I think it's very important. It's going to be a little bit different for everybody. It might be different for the same person, situation to situation. There's a lot going on there. And that is okay. Move on to our final question here. It comes in and says, how do I be kinder to myself? I know I need to give myself a break, but all my wiring and instincts is to be hard or negative on myself. Mm. Another great question. Lee, where do we start off here? Yeah, man. Thank you for writing this in. I, I think this is such a clutch question to ask because so many, so many, so many people, um, experience this kind of this kind of situation when they look in the mirror, um, just negative self-talk. Um, I, I would, I would point you to two things. One is a tactic. Um, and this is just something to try. If to think about this from a, a different perspective, if your very best friend in the world were coming to you with this kind of talk about themselves, what would you feel and how would you re- respond? Your favorite person, the person that like, you just get excited when they walk in the room. They make you laugh more than anybody else. You love being around them. You don't get tired of them. They don't really annoy you. Like if that person walked into your space saying this kind of stuff, 
what would be your actual response? I, I want you to think about that person and picture them as coming to you with this negative self-talk about themselves. How would you talk them out of it? How would you respond? If you, how would you coach them through that conversation? Like, I mean, there's part of you that would be like, dude, you're awesome. You're amazing. There's, <laughs> oh man, there's, there's, a, there's a very popular movie right now that has a spoiler about this very thing, and I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. Be good, Don't Lee. Do it, Lee. You're good, man. We can't, won't sus- we can't sustain that amount of emails. We, I'm not going to do it. But if you, if you imagined your very favorite person in the world coming at you with this kind of self-talk, how would you talk them out of it? What's the encouragement that you would give them? And now the, you, the, the simple thing is, how would you coach yourself the same way? That's just a mental exercise to say, look, anybody that loves another person well knows how to how to talk them out of some negative stuff this is your job now is to love yourself enough to be able to coach and talk yourself out of this negative stuff let me give you another trick this is another strategy thing another tactic a lot of negative self-talk is based on a very narrow view of our own life i'm only able to see this moment I suck because of the because of the thing that I did ruined this moment right here and all I can see is this moment right here. So what I'd love for you to do is to just kind of open the the aperture of the time that you're taking in. How will you see this the impact of this moment in 8 months or in 3 years or in 6 years? Um is it as big a deal if you widen the view of the the time that we're looking at. I think that some of the reasons that we kind of we amplify the impact of bad decisions or of bad moments because we're so laser focused on just how big a deal this moment right here is. When the truth is that there's just a lot of like there's a lot of situations that I've lived where I I had a bad moment and it felt really horrible and it felt like it was going to ruin my life. And then six months later, if you asked me about that moment, I would chuckle and then I'll be like, Oh yeah, that, that, that did suck. Um, yeah, but you know, it, it came out in the wash. Um, and came out in the wash is probably a really, really sub like a niche kind of Southern term. And all the three hosts of this podcast are, are from the South. But yep. what we mean by that is like, Eventually, as you, as a lot of other situations happened, highs and lows over a, a long period of months or years, the impact of that one decision wasn't as, you know, uh, you know, consequential as I thought it was in the moment. So two things. How would I coach my best friend through this moment, my favorite person through this moment, if they came at me with the same thing? Now, turn that on the mirror and, and coach yourself through that in the same way. Love yourself in that, in that same way. And and talk yourself through this. And two, let's open the aperture of the time, um, and, and let's see that this this thing that we're that we're all tied up about right now probably won't have as big an impact as we look at this over the period of months or years. Let, let's employ a couple of those tactics and see if we can change this the shape of the way that we talk to ourselves. Uh, it's such an awesome place to start that off. And Jed, where do we pick things up there? Well, I think one of the the acknowledgments that we need to make is that positive feedback is good. Positive reinforcement is good. And the opposite actually does not work. Mm-hmm. Like a big takeaway from uh, the last certainly several years, definitely the last two, but but it goes back before that. Like if you look at American society, here's one of the things we've discovered. Threatening, shaming, belittling, embarrassing, punishing. None of that works. Wow. Yeah. Like none of that actually uh, gets people to behave differently. None of it. Um, kind of being negative towards people, including yourself, it just uh, whether it should work or not, it doesn't. It just doesn't. It doesn't work. Uh, and and to the extent that it works, it works for about five minutes and then it stops working. <laughs> so, um, you may. I think one of the things that's a struggle for a lot of us is it feels so true that if I was just a big enough jerk to myself, I'd finally get motivated and I make changes. 
if I was, if I was just, you know, if I really found the right way to shame myself, it would all click and then the gears would, they'd catch and everything would really move forward. But it's just not true. It's, it's not true for you. And it's actually really not true for anybody else. Again, as, as the last couple of years have painted in, in vivid detail. And so I think that in a weird way, that is a great gift to come out of almost apocalyptically bad outcomes. Um, <laughs> To recognize I can, with great confidence, look at threatening, shaming, belittling, embarrassing, and punishing myself, and I can just let those go because they definitely won't work. In a weird way, I may be more comfortable with them because I feel like I know how to do them, but they they simply will not yield the results that I want. And so I think that in terms of being kinder to yourself, oddly, one of the ways to do that is to keep the main thing the main thing. What are we trying to accomplish here, right? So – um, because a lot of the stuff that, that is implicit in your question is, is results oriented, right? Um, I don't need to give myself a break. Um, but I'm, I'm, my instincts would be hard and negative on myself. I mean, that sounds like you're talking about outcomes. There's stuff I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to, you know, be able to get this much exercise or I'm supposed to have this kind of promotion at the job, or I'm supposed to, you know, have this many friends or whatever it is, but there's like some kind of outcome that you're, that you're supposed to, to get to the, the, you know, you've, you bought into your, for yourself. I think you should revisit those expectations because I think that that's probably part of the problem is you may be expecting things that are either not realistic for you or not a good fit for you, but we'll set that aside for a second. There's stuff that you want, right? And so like, let's use the job example of, you know, I want to, you know, get promoted at work and, and make a certain amount of money. Well, the funny thing is if we kept the focus on that outcome, then we would really just orient ourselves towards what is most likely to work. Um, which is very different from what feels like it's going to work. And I think that's the wild thing for most of us about negative reinforcement and negative feedback is we really feel like it will work even as it is not working. But if we keep, if we say, keep that focus on the goal, keep that focus on the outcome, then the focus kind of has to be on, well, what, what's actually verifiably going to do something here and it is positive feedback. It is positive reinforcement. And this is a great one, whether it's a counselor or a therapist or a really good pastor or even just a, a good friend of talking with people and getting creative of what does it look like for me to be encouraging to myself? What does it look like for me to cheer myself on? And some of that is going to be about celebrating little wins along the way. Some of that is going to be about getting regular rest. Some of that is going to be about just having good times with your friends. I think you're going to have to find the things that, that work with you, but I think all that's going to go down smoother and work better. If you start with the firm acknowledgement, the other version doesn't work. It always feels like it's going to work. It always has that that promise, which is how sin always works, by the way. It always has that promise of, oh, man, just beat up on yourself one more time and we'll really get going. <laughs> yeah. But it yeah. doesn't work. It never delivers on its promises. So we're focusing on outcomes, we're focusing on what works. And on that basis, I'm going to learn creatively how to be good to myself, how to encourage myself and how to keep myself positive and moving forward. I think that's all such good stuff from these guys. Um, one thing. I will tack on to what, especially what Jed was saying there is it is very easy for us to get into these patterns and not think about where they came from. Uh, you know, we're talking about the, the motivation aspect of it, which is entirely true, but I think a lot of people get in negative self-talk and negative self-image patterns just because that's what they've had thrown at them all the yep. time, you know, um, be that, uh, growing up in church, be that growing up playing sports or, just in kind of an achievement culture, this idea that being hard on yourself is the uh, the way to, to move forward and is the only way to do things. You go with that long enough, it gets grooved in to where you kind of like we were talking about in the last question about, you know, being tuned into certain things. You can definitely be tuned into um, uh, self-hatred in a way and just looking for the thing yep. you did wrong in every situation. Here's the thing about that. That is a practice you picked up and that's a pattern you're used to. I think a lot of people, if they get that from a religious background, if they grew up maybe like a really legalistic or really kind of harsh background, there's this idea that that is entwined with God and I need to 
really cut out the God part to cut out this bad feeling part. And as just pointing out there, that's, that's not the way God wants you to feel about yourself. It's, uh, to take it back to where, you know, Lee was, Lee started us off. Uh, God loves you. God thinks things about you are great. God wants you to, to see that about yourself. This, this idea of, you know, tough love and getting you to really look at yourself so you won't sin anymore. That's something certain people love to pretend is all over the New Testament. And it's really super not in there. Like if you actually look at the way Jesus interacts with people in the New Testament, he goes like unbelievably easy on people who are definitely doing huge things wrong and like breaking real rules. And his answer is never, you don't realize how bad you are. Is it, you know, the thing about the woman at the well, he's like, you know, you've had five husbands, you know, it's not working. We don't, we don't need to dwell on that. Let's move on to the next thing you're doing. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. but this idea that because I have some of this stuff, that's tied up with my religion, the, my religiosity as well, that those are inherently linked is something that's really worth looking at. Because if you, let's say you're someone who grew up playing sports and you got used to really you know, that grind it out mentality and rub some dirt in it. And you got really, you know, you got to be really down on yourself. And a lot of sports, particularly from women come with like really negative body image issues and all this stuff. Here's the thing. Probably none of that went away when you graduated high school and weren't doing that sport anymore. Cause it was a, a thought that a thought pattern that had been ingrained. So we need to look at that thought pattern and look at where we got that, why we're doing it, why it comes naturally to us. And then look at some things like these guys are saying, to really uh, pull it in the other direction and move into those other things. And I think if you really look at what Jesus has to say in the Bible, you really open your heart to kind of what Jesus has to say about you. You're going to find that he's a lot more on the give yourself a break side than yeah. you may have been led to believe. And that can be a really powerful switch to flip. All right. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumble.com slash ask. If you want to keep that entirely anonymous, you can join us every Sunday at 7 p.m. Central Time for the Bridgecast, or you can check that out at your leisure over at facebook.com slash thebridgechicago. Whenever is ready for you with the videos tab there, it's out of the song this week. This is, I believe, a very good sentiment for the early part of the year here. This is Jed leading the men over the bridge in his worship song, You Have Better. Woo! A lot of great stuff mm-hmm. there. It's out of that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast, comisando semana que vem, so in Portuguese. <laughs> nice. Oh. You have better for me than I have for myself. You were sad in heaven when we deserve hell. You offer me things that will not fade away like the love of a father who is here to stay. And I don't know how to be happy and I don't know how to live and I tried what made sense to me but it was all just counterfeit you have better for me than I have for myself you were sad enough heaven when we deserved hell you offered me things that that are fleeting and I want things that won't last but you offer forever a future instead of a That would kill me and I want what I want.